HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. I'm Laura Stanley, host of Inside School Food. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. listening to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network with me, your host, Erica Weitz. And I know it's been two weeks since I've done a live show, but you know, this time of year I get busy, I got stuff to do, I have to make money, the fallout shelter needs a lot of work, you know, it's constantly leaking, there's always roots growing in, mud, it's a mess, it's a total mess. So I had to take a few weeks off, but I'm back, but this is it. This is it. It's here. This is the last show of the year because Heritage is closed next week for a much needed vacation. So this is the last show of the year. This is the last day that we're all going to spend together down here in the foodiness fallout shelter until 2015. Yes, 2000, the year 2015. To me, 2015 sounds like a year that, that's from the future. Like, it's not like now. That's like a year that happens in the future, like that we'll never get to. But it's here. It's like back when I was in fourth grade in 1976. Um, you could go ahead and do the math, but I'll just tell you, 47. And back then, we we would talk about this upcoming decade change, that it was going to be the 80s. It was like a big deal because for us, you know, 9 and 10-year-olds, having never experienced a decade turn other than from 69 to 70, but we were like two years old when that happened and unaware of it. The year 1980 seemed really futuristic, like super futuristic, like something from the Jetsons or, or in my ear, it sounded more like 1890 than 1980 and not what a year should sound like. 1970, bleh, 
That's what year sounded like. It was too futuristic. It was too unknown. Or it was too much like the past, like a Laura Ingalls kind of year, like, you know, 1980, 1890. It was all kind of the same to me because all I knew were 70s, 73, 74, 75. And I'd only been conscious of the passing of time at that point for like maybe five years. And it was only because it was the bicentennial in 76 that I was even really aware of what year it was. And back in 76, we were being shown these films in school. Yeah, like films on a projector. Yeah, film about switching to the metric system. This is what was going on. It was the bicentennial. Jimmy Carter was elected. We were in the middle of an energy crisis. Vietnam had just finished. Watergate was blowing up. And we were going to switch to the metric system. That was the plan. And so they would show us these movies called Make Mine Metric. Because metric was coming. And you better learn it now or be left behind. Because time was counting down but in metric seconds, of course, not in imperial seconds. So throw away those measuring cups and throw away those inch rulers because metric is on the march. But then, four years later, it was 1980, and we all know what happened in 1980, right? Right? Major shift in the American landscape. What happened? Reagan. So Reagan comes along. And Reagan puts the kibosh on the metric system, or the switch to the metric system, just about as quickly as he ripped the Carter-era solar panels off the White House roof, too. Did you know that? Jimmy Carter had solar installed on the roof of the White House in the 70s, and Reagan, boom, no solar. Because in Reagan's creaky, fading, Eisenhower-era mind, the metric system, along with solar energy, equated or was equaled, or is conflated with communism. Yep. And by God, America wasn't going down that kilometer-measured road as long as he was in charge. Inches and ounces and miles and bushels and cups and yards. Those were the measurements that made America great. Those were the measurements that we built this nation on. We didn't build the greatest industrialized nation on Earth using centimeters or kilometers. So fast forward. 40 years and we're the only nation left in the world who doesn't use it we are the only nation left who hasn't switched to the metric system the only one cuba uses it north korea uses it algeria uses it syria all our enemies they use it we don't use it maybe if we had switched back then things would have been different maybe we'd be more progressive maybe we would have i don't know real national health care who knows I doubt it, seriously. But it kind of makes us look pretty stupid, doesn't it? I mean, when you think about it, to be stubborn about that, to not uniformly adapt the same standards as the rest of the world, well, just add it to the list of things that make us look stupid. I mean, Reagan also was a big deregulator, as in deregulating industries to make them more profitable without the pesky government making sure that they did things in a somewhat safe, sustainable, healthy way, like, you know, the mining industry and the oil industry and the food industry. You don't need regulation. You can self-regulate. We trust you. You're adults. It's like the government was acting like parents of teenagers, in the 1970s, too depressed and too strung out themselves and too miserable that it was the 70s, 
to even really care about what their Frampton listening, bell bottom wearing, quaalude taking teens were up to in those late summer nights on suburban Long Island. Oh, just go ahead and regulate yourselves. We believe that you'll do what's best for you. We totally trust you to make the right choices, to know what's best for America and for yourselves. Go ahead and regulate yourselves. Um, it's a miracle that we actually have made it this far as a country because of that. I mean, seriously, 2015, I never thought we'd live to meet you next week. Anyway, where was I? What am I talking about here today? Oh, yeah. How 2015 sounds like the future, right? Like a year from the future, not a year that's now, a year that will be coming down the road. Well, you know, you know the saying, right? The more things change. Only this year, things really have changed, actually. Some for good, some for bad, some for weird and in the world of food, we've seen some pretty big change, too. I have to say, I feel like we're at somewhat of a tipping point. Tipping in both directions, of course. We're tipping one way and we're tipping the other way. In that kind of classic bipolar way that is modern-day post-metric America. Profits are way down. At some of the major food corporations, McDonald's profits way down. McDonald's users not so heavily using anymore. General Mills, their profits are down 37%. That's fucking huge. 37%. Mostly because people aren't eating as much cereal anymore, which I would like to take personal responsibility for, by the way. Of course, you're welcome very much. People are listening to me and not eating cereal. But unfortunately, that's not the case. They are not eating cereal as much anymore. But they're switching from cereal to other processed foodiness things like pre-made, frozen, or fast food breakfast sandwiches that you buy already made and put in your microwave. Or you buy at Dunkin' Donuts and eat in your car while you drive your big ass to work and sit at your desk all day. Or they're switching to yogurt, which you would think on the surface is great, except that it's artificially sweetened yogurt chunk infused. I mean, Oreo chunk infused yogurt, as I talked about a few weeks ago on the show. So they're not really switching to anything that much better. But if it means a drop in cereal profits, then I can celebrate it. Celebrate good times. Come on. Yeah. Let's celebrate the drop in cereal profits. And Unilever... Unilever dropped their lawsuit against Just Mayo, which is the artisanal mayo company that makes eggless mayo, which I, I don't really get. They use pea protein, which is fine. I tasted it at the Fancy Food Show. It was actually delicious, you know, for mayo. Unilever was suing them against using the word mayo on their label because Unilever claims that if it doesn't have eggs, it's not mayo. But Unilever was basically just trying to squash out the competition because they want mayo to belong to them and their Hellman's chokehold on the mayo industry. Well, haha, Unilever, you dropped your suit. You knew what you were up against. A tiny little company, public opinion, etc. Oh, well. And McDonald's. Oh, McDonald's. McDonald's CEO is actually owing up now and saying that they really need to take more responsibility for what they serve to America's obese French fry stuffing masses. Yeah, we need to take more responsibility. We need to make sure we offer better choices. And so just last night as I was watching TV, I saw an ad for the new Happy Meals that now include a little tiny clementine orange. 
instead of I don't know what. I guess there was some kind of dessert in the Happy Meals. Now, of course, I wonder how many of these will wind up in the trash, which is the rumor about the new Michelle Obama standards of school lunch food where they're saying it's all winding up in the trash. I don't know if it is. I also just read a study that said the trash is the same as it's always been. And these little clementine oranges are branded. They're name brand. They're called cuties, which bothers me. The idea of branded, name branded fruit bothers me a lot. But that's another show. That'll be for next year. And I can only fight so many battles at once. And if it means that the proto-obese toddlers of America are eating a clementine instead of some cookie or something, I guess that's a good start. Now, all we have to do is take on the nuggets and we'll be getting somewhere. Yeah, you know, the more things change, yada, yada, yada. Foodiness is still the name of the game, especially as people become more aware of what they're eating. Because what does foodiness love the most? What does foodiness do best is whoosh in to fill a vacuum. So if people are suddenly saying, hey, why is my breakfast cereal made from over 50% sugar and white flour and food coloring? Foodiness rushes in with whole grain, whole grain, Captain Crunch, whole grain, whole grain, lower sugar, new multigrain Cheerios that actually have more sugar than regular Cheerios. Whole grain Captain Crunch made from albino wheat. Huh, albino wheat. So that the bran is white and then processed and ground so finely that your body just treats it like white flour, a.k.a. the same as white sugar. Anyway, what's that big sucking sound? Oh, that's the sound of foodiness rushing in to fill the space left. It's been a big year for the foodiness bait and switch game. The big three-card Monty game of tricking us into eating something just as bad as the something it purports to replace. Not all the news is bad, but not all the news is good either. Like, here's a good one. Now, no GMOs. No GMOs. Everybody's talking about screaming, no GMOs. Everyone's freaking out. Monsanto, what are we going to do? It's Frankenfood. Yeah, it's bad. We know it's bad. Do we know why it's bad? Well, we know why it's bad here in the, you know, educated elite, but... Does everyone else know why it's bad? But no GMOs is a hot buzzword topic right now. People are freaking out. Fearful, concerned moms all across America are going into their Whole Foods, seeking out the foodiness equivalent products of their usual products because those local markets that sell those don't have the products that are trumpeting no GMOs. Now, don't get me wrong. This is good. The more the American American consumer is made aware of the problems with GMOs, the better. And the more action and pressure on big food to label and or eliminate them, the better. We should all be aware of and avoid GMO products. I mean, the jury's still out, but really the jury isn't still out. We know. We know what's going on. But just like all the other food scares over the last 50 years, the ALAR on Apple scares, the saturated fat fear, the gluten phobia... People latch on to things that they don't really know enough about. They don't know the whole story. So if you ask 10 people who avoid gluten to tell you exactly what gluten is and why they're avoiding it, you have a Jaywalk All-Stars episode. Somebody did that on a talk show. I can't remember who, but they went around asking people if they avoid gluten, why they avoid gluten, and what gluten is, and nobody could actually tell them. It's the same with GMOs. Ask any mom, do you buy GMO products for your child? And they'll say, no, GMOs are going to kill my family. They're terrible. Do you know what they are? No, I have no idea, but I do it anyway. 
So yes, avoid them, but do it by buying actual real food, just whole regular food. That's the best way to avoid them. So of course, there's that giant sucking sound again. Here comes foodiness in 2014 with the first margarine to proudly and boldly announce that it's gone GMO-free. Yay! Mar- margarine? What? Margarine, like probably the original foodiness product designed to replace butter while presenting the mythology that it was better, better for you than butter. A replacement for that pesky, unhealthy butter. Margarine. An industrially made whipped up oil and water and chemical fake fat spread. Now, without the fear of evil GMO ingredients secretly plotting to kill us. Thank you so much, food industry, for being so concerned about our health and our well-being. Never mind that the margarine itself is what's going to kill us. And, and that margarine itself technically isn't even food at all and is sold in plastic tubs that leach BPA into the margarine. And we smear it all over awful factory-made facsimiles of bread from the supermarket and heat it up in toxic nonstick pans to cook our synthetic egg products because we still think fat is bad and real butter and eggs will kill us. But as long as you take the GMOs out of the margarine, we're okay. And the GMO-free margarine is going to save our lives. What the fuck is that about? Foodiness giveth and foodiness taketh away. Bye-bye, GMOs. Hello, edible butter-flavored Vaseline in a plastic tub. We're going to take a quick break. This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. Welcome back to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network with me, Erica Wides, your host. This is our final show of the year. This is our last day in the foodiness fallout shelter until 2015, the year from the future. We're going to do a little spiffing up of the fallout shelter over the break. It's going to look really good in here. It's going to be solar-powered, wind-powered, methane from manure-powered. We're going to have so much power. It's going to be like Iceland. We have so much power, we don't know what to do with it. It's going to be amazing. So as I was saying, foodiness giveth and foodiness taketh away. And thus the world keeps turning. And suddenly it's 2015 and we're still measuring flour with a cup and running three miles instead of 6.2 kilometers, which sounds so much more impressive and so much better. Now another foodiness bait and switch this year was the big campaign... An ad announcement, the big announcement and the big ad campaign from YoPlay about the removal of aspartame, a.k.a. NutraSweet, from their nasty processed Fogurt. I've renamed their product Fogurt because it isn't really yogurt. Real yogurt is made from milk and bacterial cultures, and that's it. Fogurt is made with thickeners and starches and gums and chemical sweeteners and colorings and stabilizers. And those poor little microorganisms, those little lactobacillus and bulgaricus, those tiny, tiny creatures that single-handedly, even though they don't have hands, turn plain old milk into this amazing gel teeming with probiotic life. 
aka yogurt. They can only do so much. They're single-celled organisms. And if you bombard them with chemicals and sugars and smushed-up Oreos, they just give up. They can't handle it. They can only do so much. They're micro-organisms, for Pete's sake. Not macro-organisms. So you can't really call it yogurt when it's fogurt. Anyway, YoPlay is giving itself a big old pat on the back this year because they took the NutraSweet out of their diet Fogart craptastic products. Yay, good job, YoPlay. Good job by you. We are so proud of you. But they're not replacing the NutraSweet with Stevia or monk fruit, which are the only two really acceptable natural non-sugar sweeteners. And which are actually derived from plants and actually safe for human use and are actually being used by Chobani in their products. Nope. They're just replacing the NutraSweet with sucralose. You know sucralose, right? Duh, sucralose, uh, sucrose polyester. Oh, Splenda. That's how you know it. A Splenda. Splenda, which sounds like the name of the cleaning lady in my elementary school. Splenda McCormick. She would wear a hairnet and mop up the spills in the cafeteria. Splenda, um, Jimmy puked over there. Can you get the mop? Okay, so you only know the name Splenda. If it's said on the label, sweetened with sucrose polyester, would you still buy it? Um, No, because it sounds like what my winter coat in fourth grade was made from. My winter coat was made from sucrose polyester. The scratchy, sweaty one that I had to wear through the giant ice storm of 1977 as I trudged through the snow to get to school to learn a measuring system that I would never use. We probably bought the sucrose polyester coat at Sears, another company that in 2014 tried to remake its image but is really going down the proverbial toilet. Maybe Sears should start marketing a line of breakfast cereal instead, made from all the old nuts and bolts and you know, tools and old tough skins jeans. Why not? Would be more nutritious than what General Mills is selling. So yeah, foodiness giveth and foodiness taketh away. And in this season of giving and receiving, we are so blessed, blessed with the bounty that is the American food system. We have so much freaking food in this country. So much. And yet, what do we do with it? Well, here's a good one in the category of it can't get any worse, but then it did. So Church's Fried Chicken, which apparently is a chain of fried chicken places. Duh. I don't know if we have them here. We have Popeye's. I've never seen a Church's. Anyway, Church's, I think it's in the South, announced, of course, it's in the South. Well, look around, that it would be offering a new version of their famous honey butter biscuits this winter. Hmm, honey butter biscuits. That sounds really good. New version. Now, I like a good biscuit now and then if it's, you know, homemade from real butter with real honey. Now, I've never been to a church's, but I'm sure that they are using the best quality butter from grass-fed cows and natural honey from small local beekeepers, right? Oh, no, wait a minute. That's what I would do if I were making biscuits, not what a multi-unit national chain does. Um, sorry, I've been in the fallout shelter slash Brooklyn too long. Anyway, Church has announced that they're introducing biscuits that are studded. No, that's not the word. Adorned? Mm, no. Mixed with? Mm, no. Composited with. A mashup with Oreos. Yes. Oreos. 
little Oreo chunks, little bits of Oreo baked into the biscuit. An Oreo biscuit mashup. Add a chain that serves fried chicken, predominantly in the South and Midwest. Um, do I have to say any more? Do we really need that? So the flour-sugar-fat combo of a biscuit can now be enhanced by the addition of little nuggets of chocolate-flavored flour, sugar, and hydrogenated vegetable oil, C-R-E-M-E, creme, creme, hydrogenated vegetable oil and sugar, creme-filled Oreos. Oh, boy. This one is as good as the other one I heard this year, which was the Doritos-flavored Mountain Dew that was sprung on us this fall, too. Oh, wait a minute. Was it Doritos-flavored Mountain Dew or Mountain Dew-flavored Doritos? Hold on. Let me check the foodiness computer. We have an old Commodore 64 down here. We'll, we'll check it out. It's from my first grade classroom. It used to run on the metric system, but we converted it. Hold on. Nope. I got the answer. It's Doritos-flavored Mountain Dew, which when I just even saying that kind of makes me like rich a little bit. So you can now go to churches and eat your industrial factory farm chicken fried in industrial refined chemically processed fryer oil, then sop it up with a few Oreo studded biscuits, wads of industrial flour, margarine, sugar, and artificial coloring, then wash it all down with a big old Dorito dew. Mm-hmm. And then get on the scale and you'll weigh 6,000 kilos and have a 300 centimeter waist. Or you can drop dead at 7.9, which is 45 in metric years. But if you live to see the morning, if you live, if you make it through and you live to see another day, you can rejoice because even though cereal sales are dropping, French toast crunched cereal is coming back to the market. Do you remember French toast crunch cereal? I actually don't, but apparently it's making a big comeback. It was a spinoff of Cinnamon Toast Crunch, which I know, which is like the Jeffersons from All in the Family, a spinoff. It's little pieces of cereal that look like Wait for it. Little slices of French toast. Tiny little French toast pieces in your cereal bowl. Can you believe it? It's so clever. Instead of, you know, the drudgery of taking a slice of bread and throwing it into a beaten egg and some milk and cooking it, you can eat a tiny little facsimile of it with syrup flavor built right in. So, so clever. Those cereologists, man, those guys, they never stop. Now, French Toast Crunch has been off the market since 2006, but by popular demand, the clamoring of, guess who? The Millennials. It's back. The Millennials spoke up. We need our French Toast Crunch back. Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it. People will actually clamor, demand, protest for a cereal to be brought back. But when there's an election to decide on what measuring system to use, we just roll over. Oh, America, give us an inch and we'll take a tablespoon. We're going to take another quick break and then we'll be back. This is Brooks Headley, the pastry chef at Del Posto in Manhattan, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network. Oh, that's me. Welcome back to Let's Get Real. Cooking show about why I'm bearing any food on Heritage Radio Network with me, Eric Woods. 
I like that little song in the break. That sounded like if I had had a band in high school, that's the song we would have sung. Boys and girls are all fired up. I like that one. Yeah. Sometimes people ask me if I'm Jane Weedland from the Go-Go's out on the street, which I like. That's cool. I look like her. Anyway, so as the year as the year winds down and we revisit some of the best and worst in foodiness, I just want to remind us all of a few things. Just to keep us on a positive note here, there are now more farmers markets in America than there have ever been in our short history. More farmers markets than ever, and that's amazing. We have more variety in our produce sections, we have more organic choices, and we have better food all around than ever before. You can get a freaking kale salad at the freaking Cheesecake Factory. If that's not progress, I don't know what is. You can also get a slice of cheesecake there that's 1,600 calories, which is all you're supposed to eat in one day, but that's another story. You can get sushi at convenience stores. We have great food in this country if you know where to buy it and what to buy. And if you're careful and you're educated about your choices, America is an amazing place to live and eat. It is. Big, big things are happening in the food world, and not just here on the liberal elite coast or out on the West Coast either. Denver, Minneapolis, Chicago, Cleveland, Austin, all of these cities have big, new, exciting food scenes going on, celebrating their local food heritage and their history. Chefs from New York are moving to the Midwest to open restaurants. That's incredible. That's a big deal. And that's amazing. And that is something this holiday season to actually be happy about. I know you think that I'm not really that capable of being positive, but I am. This is me being positive. Even though it sounds like everything I say is sarcasm, it's not. It's just how I was born. Sarcasm was my first language. I struggle with English. It's just how it is. But foodiness still lurks. Kids still eat way too much processed crap. And the new U.S. budget overturned legislation about reducing sugar and refined grains in school lunches. Yay! Monsanto is on the offense, creating these ads and materials that are deceptively misleading. And they scream, healthy, sustainable Brooklyn, while promoting their evil chemical agenda. Have you seen these? They're very evil. And we still eat way too much sugar. Government-subsidized, USD-approved pounds and pounds and pounds of sugar each year. All of us. Well, except me. There's more sugar in a single can of soda than what the average American would have consumed in an entire year 150 years ago. Did you get that? More sugar in one can of soda than what you as an American would have eaten in a whole year not many years ago, 150. There's sugar in everything, and it's killing us. And foodiness is built on a foundation of sugar, a fortress of sugar, a crumbling fortress of sugar. And the only way to avoid it is avoid the package. Like I said to you 117 episodes ago, that first episode of Let's Get Real, my foodiness manifesto where I said, if it swam, grew, walked, or flew, it's food. If it comes from a package via a factory, it's foodiness. And you all know what to do. You're the liberal educated elite. You know how many grams are in your bowl. (laughs) So as we enter 2015 a year that is officially from the future because we're in it and the future is now. Let's take a new approach. Let's take a metric approach. Let's bring back the metric system, a logical and systematic approach and eat food, not foodiness. That's logical. That's metric if you ask me. 
because foodiness is shit. And why, why, why would you ever, ever want to eat shit? So if you don't want to eat shit in the new year, you know what to do. You're going to keep on tuning in to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're also going to follow me on Twitter. And now, yay, Instagram. I know I'm a little slow behind the curve, but I'm on Instagram now. And I have some cool pictures, so check it out. Thank you for listening all these low 117 episodes. Thanks to Jack Inslee, always in the control room. Thanks to Ben Kaplan, who wrote my theme music. Thanks to Chris Nutter, who originally helped me create the show. We will see you next year. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.